Why do we keep talking about things that polls show nobody cares about? I guess because we hope you care about it, but people don't well, care. we're doomed to failure. People don't care about the national debt. I wish they did. We've been talking about it for years. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I just saw that SpaceX uh, rocket reland the way they do. It's astounding. It's amazing. It's a time of unthinkable technical achievements, and yet we're committing fiscal suicide as a people, and nobody can seem to comprehend the idea that if you overspend uh, for a long enough time, you will uh, bring on financial ruin. It's an interesting contrast in my crazy head. And I feel like the uh, the, <clears throat> the Republican Party, if they hadn't already, sent up the white flag this week or just signaled they don't care. We're not going to pretend to care anymore. Right. Tiana Lowe is a commentary writer for the Washington Examiner. Uh, she also founded the USC Economic Review. Tiana, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Excellent. So, uh, listen, we ask most of our guests who attended USC the same question. Merit or parent check? <laughs> and we uh, ask my that. Parents paid, my parents paid the old-fashioned way, which was, you know, SAT tutors, AP tests, right. all that. You know, the, bo- right. the boring, regular math nerd stuff, I- not the half a million dollars to fake my way into a crew team. So. And we ask that not to sow clouds of doubt over your, your interview this morning, but to remove them. Tiana, entirely <laughs> merit at USC. Congratulations. So, hey, listen, you're a, a, a younger person. I'm guessing you hang out with, you know, at least to some extent, peers. Does anybody under the age of 45 give a damn about the the debt bomb that is going to saddle you, you people with enormous taxes? I feel like Cassandra running around the wake of a destroyed Troy, trying to explain to everyone what a debt crisis actually looks like when it is here, what Social Security insolvency actually looks like when it is here, what the ramifications of Medicare for All and research and development looks like when it is here, and yet no one really seems to care. Yeah, we're getting that idea, and we don't have a party anymore, those of us who would like the country to live within its means, as the Republicans. Would you agree they signaled in the recent days that they just don't even care about the issue they, anymore? They probably signaled it a long time ago, it just became like abundantly evident this week. Oh, certainly. I mean, the fact that of one of the most talented presidential debate stages in modern American politics we chose the one guy who swore that he wouldn't touch Social Security, which, again, we knew would become insolvent in the next 15 years. He wouldn't touch Medicare, and he wouldn't touch Medicaid. So, I mean, this is a president who has never even really paid lip service to the idea of fiscal responsibility. So right now we're sort of in this dietary equivalent of all dessert with no veggies, where we get tax cuts, we get deregulation, but we get no spending cuts. All dessert and no veggies, which, you know, kids like, human beings like. It's just it's living in a fantasy land. And and to Trump running on, no, no, no I'm not going to touch entitlements and all that sort of stuff. He understood the electorate. He understood people don't actually care about this. And he was right. Yeah, and this is why the, the biggest failing of the Tea Party wasn't even just the policy It was the unwillingness to focus on the the pure fiscal reality of the ramifications of this messaging. And instead, you know, we saw some form of the Tea Party coalesce around Trump and Trumpism. And, you know, protectionism and trade war, that's the opposite of what the Tea Party was supposed to stand for. So it is sort of funny that a decade ago we elected in a generation of conservatives into or so-called conservatives into the Republican Party with this promise that they would tackle the spending 
And, you know, there's no signs that's that's coming anywhere in the next decade. Yeah, I you know, I, I read a substantial part of your piece, which is terrific. It's really well done. And we'll have a link at armstrongandgetty.com for folks. Uh, you know, I, I think the Tea Party movement ran into the immovable object, which is, um, you know, you can call it the swamp if you want. But the government has become such a colossus, it's become its own most important lobbyist. And so I just I just think we ran into Goliath and Goliath won this one. Um, Tiana Lowe is commentary writer for the Washington Examiner. I think you do a really, really good job of explaining in your piece why the Medicare for all fantasy is just that. It's a fantasy. Can you give us a, a minute on that? So I think in a very pragmatic and theoretical sense, if someone told me if my taxes went up 10 percent, every single person in the country would have at least B minus healthcare. People on the streets would at least have B minus healthcare. I'd be perfectly willing to make that concession out of just pure logistics. You know, there are externalities to making sure that your electorate has their healthcare taken care of, whatever. But people forget that that's not what Medicare for All does. Medicare for All kneecaps the very system that makes global medicine possible. So we're 4.4% of the world's population, but we're 44% of the world's medical research and development and the majority of the world's patents. Um, We are 75% of the world's pharmaceutical profits, which means that not only are we directly subsidizing Europe's pharmaceuticals, Canada's pharmaceuticals, we're also just outright giving pharmaceuticals to to areas like Sub-Saharan Africa. You know, I mean, it's because of American research and development and philanthropic measures that we've been able to cut down on rates of HIV in Africa and rates of AIDS deaths and rates of malaria. Um, so I think people forget that when you when you move from a profit motivated system, you're ending all of the motivation for there to be new R&D and pharmaceuticals created. And this wouldn't be so much of an issue if the rest of the world also carried their weight, but they don't. The next greatest purveyor of medical R&D in the world is China. And, and I don't really think that we want to be relying on Chinese medicine. And the other uh, point that you make quite powerfully, I think, is that uh, Medicare would not exist at all. It would go broke immediately were it not subsidized every single day by private insurance uh, holders overpaying for medical services so that Medicare can continue to underpay. Um, and that just the numbers could not work without private insurance still existing. But uh, again, the piece yeah. is, is really, really good. Um, it's it's worth a read. Tiana Lowe, commentary writer for the Washington Examiner. Uh, you know what? It just uh, the reason we're still talking about this stuff, pure stubbornness, just pure unwillingness to do what would be good for us and pander. So we encourage you to, to commit career suicide as well. Good luck. Thanks, Deanna. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> See, I, was, I, was, I was wondering, uh, for us and her and anybody else that's uh, you know, an influencer or opinion maker or whatever, you make your living talking to people, um, you can annoy people by continuing to talk about it. I'm, I'm not sure that's the best move. I, I don't know what you do at this point. I think you just, you just wait until the, <clears throat> the devastation comes and then discuss how to get out of it. I don't know. You know, one of our old bosses uh, who was simultaneously um, brilliant and nuts, as a lot of brilliant people are, um, was talking about a, a friend of his, also in the radio business, getting canned. And and he said, and, and help me out, because Jack, I remember, I know you remember this too. He said the problem with his friend 
was that he kept saying the same thing in the same way. And he was right. He was absolutely right. But after a while, it wore people out. And they just didn't want to hear him anymore. So they mm-hmm. got rid of him. Um, you got to find different ways to say the same thing. Maybe it's helping people understand, particularly younger people, what it will mean when the poo hits the fan. And the poo will absolutely hit the fan. <clears throat> it means devastating levels of taxes and huge slashes in all of the glorious sounding government programs you value. There will be no help for the sick and the poor and the downtrodden because there will be no money. They will be starving in the streets. Old people will be on their own. They will be glad to get cat food. You will turn over two-thirds of your paycheck, two-thirds of it, to the government, and not for some sort of glorious Medicare for all and assured employment. That's just to keep the lights on. You know, maybe we need some good apocalyptic storytellers to make movies about it or... Or something, I don't know, but nobody seems to give a damn. And you know what, listen, uh, while you're at the party and everybody's getting it on, man, everybody's a little bit hammered or (laughs) enjoying the substance of their choice, they understand that they're going to pay a terrible price in the morning, but you just don't care. And we're in that period right now. And I don't know exactly what to do about it. Probably nothing. So, uh, some uh, breaking news this morning, and I was just going to point out how three different organizations, news organizations, what their headlines were, how different they were. Oh, yeah. always find that entertaining. I always love that. Also, I'm not following the baseball. You are. Oh, yeah. I watched a game last night. The whole home run thing is just completely out of control, and pitchers are really complaining. I mean, it's just, it's like a different game. Hmm. And almost everybody seems to think, yeah, the balls are different. Major League Baseball bought the company that makes baseballs. Mm. And all of a sudden this happened. Anyway, some of the stats Mm. are just, yeah. Mm. Something is up. Mm. Uh, It's all that stuff on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Lots to, to talk about, and next week there are two nights of debates in the Democratic Party, to whatever extent you care about that. Some of you it's a lot, some of you it's none. I enjoy the sport. Uh, the inquiry into the origins of the Russia investigation... The surveilling of Trump campaign officials, etc., is going to bear fruit. I'm really starting to think that story is not over. And I'm not for trumping up, no pun intended, uh, you know, these wild uh, goose chases. Uh, that one's going to bear some fruit. Stay tuned. We'll tell you about it. It's an effing joke, says one of the best pitchers in the last uh, dozen years of Major League Baseball, Justin Verlander about how the game has changed because of the new baseballs he believes that they're using in Major League Baseball. Huh, interesting. Major League Baseball's turning this game into a joke. They own Rawlings, and you've got uh, a company. He said, <laughs> I like this, if any other $40 billion company bought out a $400 million company and the product changed dramatically, it's not a guess as to what happened. We all know what happened. What is he talking about? It's the controversy surrounding the number of home runs there are all of a sudden in baseball. 
It sprung up uh, around All-Star break, and it's continued since then. Since 2014, home runs have increased by 60%. Since when? Since 2014. Now, there have been changes in hitting techniques. Well, when do you hear more of these stats? What do you hear more of these stats? That there's no argument to be made once you hear all the stats. This season, the league is on pace to slug... You underestimate my ability to make stupid arguments. This season, the league is on pace to slug more than 1,000... A thousand more home runs than in 2000, which was the heart of the steroid era and set the, the records at the time. Remember when all the records were breaking all of a sudden? Records that had been around for 60 years. Right. Oh, it's unbelievable. This guy with giant arms just... Well, <laughs> they're going to hit a thousand more home runs this year than that year. Wow. Almost 45% of all runs scored this season have come via home runs, which is a dramatic shift in the way the game is played and the strategy of it and everything else. Oh, man. Verlander and other pitchers believe 100% that the balls were intentionally juiced by the league because it gets more attention and gets more people to watch the game. Um, that is the belief, anyway. Us uh, old-timey baseball purists don't swing that way, but you know, our, our day is, uh, is past. The um, hit and run, the bunt, uh, on the that, sacrifice. And, uh, sacrificing for your country, <laughs> sacrificing for the guy on second base. These concepts are going away. Uh, power records falling quickly. This isn't important, by the way. I'm not, I'm not trying to pretend that I think this is hugely important, important anyway. But It's very important. Um, major leaguers are on pace to hit more home runs this season than any other season in baseball history. That would be last year. They're going to break last year's record, which was more than any other uh, in baseball history. And sure. All, yeah. this, all this happened. And the uh, whatever it is, the Minnesota Twins are going to break the all-time record by far. I mean, just a huge leap beyond the most any team has ever hit in a single season. Wow. But So there you go. And it wouldn't take a huge change in, in a baseball to juice it just a little bit. Because there are plenty of fly balls that, you know, they get reasonably close to the wall. And you then, don't have to make it 50% more bouncy. Just, oh, sure. Just five. And then quickly, I thought this was interesting. So economic growth numbers came out, and uh, I got an alert from the New York Times, the Washington Examiner, and the Wall Street Journal, and they all had a headline on it. New York Times, U.S. economic growth slowed in the second quarter to an annual rate of 2.1%. So mm. you come around away from that with a negative feeling. Yes. Washington Examiner, economy grew at 2.1% in second quarter as recovery hits record length. <laughs> come away from that with a positive feeling. Yeah. And the Wall Street Journal, the U.S. economy grew at 2.1% rate in the second quarter as higher consumer spending offset a decline in business investment. That's just stating a couple of facts, and And I kind of come away with that with a neutral feeling. Right. Wasn't the first quarter also one of the better quarters in terms of market things? So so the growth slowing from that to a more reasonable thing isn't... Good point. That's what normally happens. Yeah. It's slower than you want, but yeah, yeah, you're right. It went from a high number to a... But anyway, that's just the way. You just got to keep that in mind whenever you take in media. The headline you see gives you a feeling. If you saw that headline somewhere else, you might have the opposite feeling with the same statistics. Right, right. So revealing. Interesting. You know, I, I one more thought on the baseball thing. I've attended a couple of Major League Baseball games in the last uh, month or so. Um, and on both occasions, uh, I saw people root, root, rooting for the away team. In complete disregard of the instructions <laughs> that come with the game, of, take me out to the ball. The game. instructions the, are the right, national anthem of playing baseball. The, the instructions are right there in the song. Listen, buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. Yes, root, root, root for the home team. Root, root, uh, for, I'm sorry for which team? How many strikes the in your home out? team? 
I don't have anybody on the home team on my fantasy baseball team. Why, why am I rooting for them? I got the other team. One, two strikes, and then a t- t- light-hitting second baseman launches one into the stands with the juiced ball at the old <laughs> ball game. Fantastic. So coming up in the next half hour, I promise you, a breakdown of the significant chapter-by-chapter chapter unfolding of the Russian collusion story and how it was then dismantled in a way that I think is pretty interesting and kind of a sister piece. Some of the activities of the Department of Justice under Obama, the FBI, um, in looking into the Trump campaign are now come under, coming under closer scrutiny. And it's starting to look like old George Papadopoulos was just completely set up. And things were done before the official launch of the probe that are very difficult to justify unless you're fine with spying on American citizens without warrants. Yeah, I got what Chris Christie said about that the other day. It's oh, good. I'd like to hear that. Uh, what's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Joe Biden's warning for Democrat opponents. The gloves are off. You got another record wave of migrants sweeping the border and NASA announces the Earth just dodged a cosmic bullet. Boy, Coming up. Sh- the glove they had the gloves on, so she shouldn't hit an old man, but he shouldn't hit a younger black woman. It's not a good look for either one of them if they're they, actually if they're, fight? If they're actually wearing boxing gloves. Is that what we're talking about? I think about? the gloves are off is hockey. Right? Is it? Is it? I don't know. Nobody knows. Armstrong and Getty. <laughs> So the best pitchers in baseball say that the, the ball is obviously different. The Major League Baseball bought the company that makes the baseballs and somehow got them made so that they they fly out faster. Yeah, and there's way more way more home runs now than there used to be. Anyway, somebody texted, "Isn't juicing the ball scandal from Major League Baseball just a, it, them admitting their sport is boring? Play a better sport." <laughs> Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> For baseball fans, I will also point out that strikeouts are way up because more guys are swinging for home runs. Now, the Freakonomics thing there is, part of it is, and this has affected the world of golf, too, the technology is so good. They study launch angles and spin rates and stuff like that. They've figured out how to hit more home runs. At the same time, I think guys have more incentive to swing for the fences, as they say, because the ball's so dang hot. Mm. I could believe both. News now with Marsha Phillips. Now, Democratic presidential frontrunner Joe Biden is out with a stark warning for his opponents ahead of next week's debates. He's saying, if you come at me this time, I'm ready to hit back. His threat. His <laughs> Joe thre- Biden is a dummy. His threat coming amid yet another uh, fight centered around race with Senators Kamala Harris and Cory Booker, which he's been countering with references to his time as Obama's vice president. They did a significant background check on me for months with 10 people. I think my, I doubt whether he would have picked me if this accusations about my being wrong on civil rights is correct. Yeah. That's a pretty good defense. Mm-hmm. You think there's any chance Barack Obama had Joe Biden be his vice president if there was any bad civil rights stuff hanging you out know, there. You had, uh, thought old Grandpa Joe would have thought of that at the last debate. Hey, hey, Joe, convince me to vote for you for president without using Obama as your veteran. Like, uh, you mm-hmm. need to convince me yourself. I he, he certainly has the black vote. I was looking at the numbers yeah. uh, in the New York Times article today, and 
he's still overwhelmingly the choice of black voters. Cory Booker gets almost nothing. Yeah. Kamala Harris is doing okay. Cory Booker gets almost nothing from black voters. Or anyone else. Or, or anyone else. In his defense, nobody likes him. Uh, but So he's going to really swing for the fences, if you'll pardon the expression. Um, uh, in the debate, because he's got to, or yeah. he's done. He he's near. I got to get out of this. I'm wasting my money. And like most desperate people, he will not be likable. <laughs> I mean, he's going to. Uh, yeah, he's going to stretch too this, far. He's going to come off as a lunatic. This could be a decent dust up. So that's night two, Wednesday night of the debate. Because yep. Biden, the first debate around, clearly was in the. I'm way ahead. I'm just going to coast to victory mode. Right. He now realizes that ain't going to work. Can't yeah. do it. I got to engage. And uh, and he is. You know, the most likely outcome with uh, old Cory Booker, because he's a pretty smart guy. I mean, he occasionally swings and misses badly, like the Spartacus moment or whatever the heck that was. Um, but what the most likely outcome is he will uncover, he will craft a devastating attack on Biden. Something savage and, and damaging. And it will damage the old boy. And nobody will give a damn about Cory Booker still. I mean, so it will be merely a negative for for the Democratic Party. Or, or a positive for Kamala Harris. Biden said they've both got plenty in their records to pick apart of Kamala oh, yeah. Harris and Cory Booker. Yes. So I don't know if he's going to point that Let out in the debate. Let it begin! <laughs> well, Biden's already hitting at Booker's record while mayor of Newark. For a guy who helped to be an architect of mass incarceration, this is an inadequate uh, solution to- that was the other guy yeah. talking about the other guy. Uh, anyway, yeah, he was saying uh, Booker's record while mayor of New York. That's when a lot of the police were going around uh, shaking down African-Americans in Newark at the time when he, again, was mayor. Biden, and he'll go with the prosecution stuff, the prosecutor stuff in California for Kamala Harris. Yep, yep. Biden says during the first debate, though, he was probably too polite when Kamala Harris went after him. And he said, I thought we were friends, and we, we, I hope we still will be. You know, she asked me to go to her convention and be the guy from outside of California to nominate her at her convention for the Senate seat. I did. So this time around, he says he's not going to be so polite. Hmm. It'll be interesting to see. Ugliness is what I'm hoping for. Immigration officials are saying a record 61,000 unaccompanied migrant children have crossed the southern border since October. That's 2,000 more than the previous record set during the entire 2016 fiscal year. North Korea says that test launch of a new tactical missile that has rattled Asia is meant as a warning to South Korean warmongers over Seoul's planned military exercises with the United States. Both the U.S. and North Korea, though, are saying they're going to try to have some more nuclear talks within the next couple of weeks. And it turns out NASA's revealing how we barely missed being hit by a massive asteroid capable of wiping out at least a city. It zoomed past Earth on Wednesday, coming 17,000 miles closer than our moon. The space rocket was, or space rock rather, was going as fast as the asteroid that wiped out the dinosaurs. Wow. It was the closest of three asteroids that flew by, but wasn't... Sweet meter of death. Oh, boy. I, I would, Smod, you missed. <laughs> some days I would welcome it. It's over for all of us, so... Right, right. It was the closest of three asteroids that flew by, but wasn't spotted until a few hours before it passed. A few hours. Whoa. One astronomy professor calls it a timely reminder that uh, these threats are out there saying sooner or later... One of them will have our name on it. Well, sure. It's inevitable. <laughs> yep. 
at your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm starting a giddy show, The Conscience of the Nation. Or is it evitable? Thanks for that reminder, scientist buzzkill. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. Um, somebody texted, the gloves are off, comes from boxing. That's where no. that expression came from. No, it doesn't. So you're boxing with gloves, and then the, you took off the gloves. Now we're uh, taking my glove off. No more of this soft punching. Now that the hard punching. happen in boxing. No, that's, that's wrong. Well, okay. Who does that? Does that person claim any credentials? No. No, it's hockey. Because they're playing hockey, and yeah, then when they're getting gloves. ready to fight, they drop the gloves. The gloves are never off in boxing, are they? Unless you're staging some sort of bare knuckle off say, the back in the day, yeah, underground. Yeah, but then the gloves were never on. If you're doing Maybe a bare it was knuckle cold thing. outside, <laughs> right? They want they walked to the hall to With bare knuckle gloves, box. They yeah. took off their gloves. I feel like it's now a, the gloves are off. I feel like it's an older expression than the length and popularity of hockey. I wonder if it goes way back to the take off your gloves, slack a guy in the no, face. This means war. Yeah, hmm. is that it, what the? I think it's that might possible. Be. I think it's older than. Although hockey is very very old. I mean. You know, back to the beginning of the 20th century, at least in Canada mm. and the uh, the northern states of America. I'm going with you take off your glove and slap somebody to challenge them. The phrase them. appears in the mid-19th century. Its origins are murky. Mm. Uh, murky. Murky. But that's, murky. But that's, but that's certainly... That, but so it's not boxing or well, hockey. And the, the next sentence, some say... Hockey box. It comes from the sport of boxing. Some say, so then it just gives other hypotheticals, and okay. so it's murky. The gloves are, you know what it yeah. probably is? It's when genteel people wore gloves. And you're not going to fight somebody in your good Sunday go to meet in gloves. Can so you, you just took off your gloves. <laughs> it's hard to imagine a world in which I wore gloves. And a hat. To something and a fancy. top hat. Right. Have you I, ever worn a top hat? It makes you feel fancy. I actually do. I have a. Sean got me a top hat. Oh, that's right for your uh, Baron. What was it, Baron von Doctor Evil plots? And I do yeah. this thing. The kids are getting a little old for it. We still we did it fairly recently, but anyway, I do the the wizard. So I would tell them on a on a Saturday night, I'm gonna go take a nap. You're gonna watch TV. Yeah. And then all the lights would get turned off, and then out would come the wizard running yes. around. Yes. And I would wear the cape and that hat, the top hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I had this the gun, the ray gun, yeah, yeah, the yeah, ray yeah, gun, yeah. and I would give you a supervillain outfit. Essentially, oh, we had yeah. great fun with that. Wow, the fabulous. Yeah. And when they were young enough, they actually thought it was somebody different, and I would I would come out. But then the wizard would disappear again, and I'd come out. That was a good nap. What'd you guys do? <laughs> uh, that's beautiful. So when they were catching on or wondering if it was actually me, I actually had a buddy of mine that I wanted to, but my wife thought this would be too scary for oh, our, for our son, who's yeah. got to, already got to issues with all that sort of stuff. Right, yeah. But uh, but get him a similar outfit. I run out. He comes out, and makes it clear that it's somebody different. So. Oh man, what, what, what are you trying to fight? do? That's like when that's like when Batman would dress up right. Alfred in the bat yes, suit, and exactly. then they would both show up in a public yes, space right. at the yes, same time. Clever ploy. Throw people off the scent. The yeah, yeah. wizard. <laughs> the wizard. Now you got to throw oh. on the top hat and say, "I'm the senator. I'm going to take your money and give it to my cronies." <laughs> I have to do the wizard tomorrow night. That's a good time. Uh, one more time for old time's sake. So you're going to tell us how the whole Russia thing started. Well, yeah, to some extent, the uh, investigation into some of the fairly murky beginnings of that are becoming a bit more clear. Mm, the gloves are off. No, mm, whatever that means. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
Stones music because it's Mick Jagger's birthday. He's 74? 76. 76. So he's about the same age as Joe Biden and uh, that crew, roughly. Bernie. He's younger than Nancy Pelosi. Another than his funky valve. I mean, he's just in astoundingly good physical condition. I mean, he's, he's something. Well, he's a professional dancer, you know? Takes good care of himself. Is eight kids going to uh, give him a call on his birthday, I wonder? Uh, well, maybe if there are five different mothers, uh, remind them. Mm-hmm. Hey, kids, don't forget to tell Daddy happy birthday. So, a couple of headlines for you you might find interesting. Um, Buck Sexton, who is a uh, he's a talk radio guy. Maybe you see him on the cable news now and again. He tweeted, going to spoil the ending on this one for you folks. George Papadopoulos was set up. Um, Comey and his folks hid exculpatory evidence from the FISA court. And there was intel collected on Papadopoulos way before any official FBI investigation began, and it was all dirty. And he um, then links to a piece on Fox News. Um, the Justice Department's internal review of the Russia investigation, the origins of it, is zeroing in on transcripts of recordings made by at least one government source who met with former Trump campaign a- a- aide George Papadopoulos overseas in 2016, specifically looking at why certain exculpatory material from those transcripts was not presented in subsequent applications for surveillance warrants, according to two sources familiar with the review. The long and short of it is they sent a, a source to uh, undercover to just strike up a conversation with this hapless Papadopoulos guy. And he said some stuff that sounded pretty damn suspicious. And he said some stuff that made it clear that the suspicious stuff wasn't really that suspicious after all. And uh, Comey and his cronies combed through and carefully selected the nasty sounding stuff to get all this going. Um... A source told Fox News that the exculpatory evidence included in the transcripts is Papadopoulos denying having any contact with Russians to obtain the supposed dirt on Clinton, which is not just a detail that undermines the very premise of the whole deal. Uh, So we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't know how much will ever come out of this for a variety of reasons, because I think the intelligence agencies, I think your FBI, your CIA, and your NSA... I think they um, see themselves as the guardians of the country. Mm-hmm. and um, Well, they are to some extent. They are to some extent. Yeah. But um, the fact, remember when the CIA was found out they were spying on the Senate, spying on U.S. senators, and, uh, and a bunch of stuff, Barack Obama's phone calls were being listened to in a way he didn't know. I think, I think they are, feel like they're above everybody. Recently elected presidents, current presidents, senators, everybody. We just get to do whatever we want whenever we think we should do it. Yeah, between the NSA, the CIA, and the FBI, there have been some pretty notable excesses that I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, Independent, Libertarian, you ought to be concerned about it. It's it's, it's, it's a little scary. It was Trey Gowdy who first uh, drew attention to the existence of the transcripts. He said on uh, Sunday Morning Futures on Fox News, a show I have never watched and never will, uh, unless Trey Gowdy's on there, I guess. If the Bureau's going to send in an informant, the informant's going to be wired. And if the Bureau is monitoring telephone calls, there's going to be a transcript of that, he said. 
Um, some of us have been fortunate enough to know whether or not those transcripts exist, but they haven't been made public. And I think one in particular has the potential to actually persuade people. Very little in this Russia probe, I'm afraid, is going to persuade people who hate Trump or love Trump. But there is some information in these transcripts that has the potential to be a game changer if it's ever made public. Oh, I almost forgot this. So Chris Christie the other day, he was doing some of the analysis on uh, ABC during the Mueller hearing, and he talked about... I've brought this up many times. I liked it hear, hearing it out of his mouth, because he he knows what he's talking about, but I've it's bothered me. You get to spy on a, on a president? Well, we had reason to believe... You get to spy on a guy who was just elected president because somebody in his campaign may have talked to a Russian? Don't you need to tell the president? The guy who just got elected president, you're doing that? Or do you get to spy on the president? And Chris Christie, because he now knows that he was spied on, because he was part of the transition team. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm a prosecutor. I've run these kind of operations over and over. It is unprecedented that you would have this sort of thing where you would have spied on a governor or a president or anybody else and and not told them, look, we think we've got there's somebody in your team right. that we think the Russians are trying to get to. The Russians are the bad guys. You don't have any evidence whatsoever that there's any bad guys on on our end. Or so that the head guy's a bad guy. Or no evidence that the head guy's a bad right. guy. You don't get to do that, Chris Christie said. And I, I've always thought that was right. really troubling. So you had, clearly this is what happened. I don't know if it'll ever be proven or anything. Clearly what you had is you had a bunch of people in the FBI, including James Comey, that didn't like Trump's style. A lot of people don't like Trump's style. And mm-hmm. they were worried about him in all kinds of different levels and just were okay with just spying on the guy who got elected president. Okay, so a couple of key quotes And yes, for you. you can call it spying. Of course you can. Quit splitting hairs. So a couple of quotes. George Washington once said that a government like fire is a useful servant but a fearful master. So you've got to just keep government from becoming your master. It's always been true. Another key quote from me, Joe Getty. The media is a pile of crap. And to that end, uh, Sean Davis, who writes for The Federalist, I believe, uh, sent out a series of tweets that I thought were pretty good. Um, it's this is folks. This is not about partisanship. It's about skepticism. Skepticism as a life's philosophy. Are you going to be a sucker led back and forth by clever people who think you're a dupe, or are you going to ask questions? And Sean Davis lays out some examples. We were told, and and Jack, anybody, if you'd like to deny this, feel free to deny it. We were told that the evidence of alleged Russian collusion was rock solid. Adam Schiff. The work of America's top intelligence agencies. In reality, it was fiction cooked up by a Clinton-funded foreign contractor on the payroll of a sanctioned Russian oligarch. Talking about Fusion GPS. We were told the Trump campaign was never spied on or wiretapped by U.S. spy agencies. In fact, that very idea was mocked in the New York Times, the Washington Post, all the alphabet networks. We now know the campaign was indeed wiretapped. That honeypots were deployed to entrapped campaign affiliates. That overseas intel assets were used to set up meetings as pretexts for more spying. That that paragraph is absolutely rock solid. And I could give you the specifics. A lot of you already know them. But that's absolutely rock solid. We were told our nation's intelligence agencies would never use false information to justify secret surveillance of American citizens. In reality, uh, D-O-N? He means DOJ, I think. And the FBI peddled lies to the FISA court that were cooked up by a foreign spook and a DOJ official's wife, both funded by Clinton. You know, that that one's not as strong, but I get his point. We were told that our government's top secret keepers would never leak classified or confidential information in the media. What actually happened is that top intel officials 
Comey, Clapper, et al., repeatedly leaked, often illegally, to cement a false narrative to further support spying on citizens. And finally, we were told that America's top cops and spies would never foment a coup to overturn election results they didn't like. We now know the most powerful unelected people in government cooked up lies as part of an orchestrated scheme to overthrow the duly elected president. Uh, You know, that assumes a motivation that to me is a little strong. I'm not that much of a partisan, I guess. I think there may have been some deliberate, we hate Trump, I'll bet we can overturn the election among some people. I've never seen it that but way. But you get, you'd get thrown in prison for that. I think it was a lot of self-righteous, egomaniac, overzealous people who hated Trump and thought, not only that, he's a ruski tool! And they went crazy. And they ignored the limitations. They felt so righteous that they ignored the truly sacred limitations on what they can do based on protecting people's rights. I just think you had a, pun- a bunch of people got over-enthusiastic and, and were, were egomaniacs. I mean, Comey first among them. But anyway, I appreciate uh, Seth, or Sean Davis, rather. Still, uh, that together. still trying to nail down the gloves are off as an expression. Where does that come from? Somebody texted, how about the expression, treating someone with kid gloves? Well, now the gloves are off. Does it come from that? You Probably know, similar. Gloves. We were, we were a gloved society in <laughs> days gone by, Jack. It's and, hard to uh, imagine. Wouldn't you think it was weird if you ever ran into somebody who was just wore- colder back then? Frostbite was rampant? Oh, or yeah. What? Global colding. That was the big issue.